Hey guys, welcome to episode 274 of the podcast with my guest, Martha Kelly. I wanted to quickly just uh, shout out all the people who have been sending me their wonderful Korasami art. If you are a Legend of Korra fan, you know what I'm talking about. I've been enjoying posting original artwork uh, each day of February. Um, and so thank you and please keep those coming. I, uh, I'll be doing it again until the end of February. It's a leap year. Very exciting. Happy leap year. I don't know what that changes, but... Uh, and then I just wanted to thank Jennifer for your great email. Uh, I think that's it for now, guys. I, uh, I, uh, I will talk to you next time on the podcast. Now entering Nerdist.com. I've, and now I am recording. It's been a while since I've let her just really get up in people's biz. So we're going to see what happens. We're also going to see if she's like, this seems like a good opportunity for me to go rummage around the rest of the... Yes. Let's see what kind of trouble I can get into. She moves at a very slow pace. And I... I can't help but think it's her attempt to convince people that she's not in a rush to do any wrong. I love That she's it. just going to be like... Listen, if I'm just meandering, I'm clearly not looking for garbage to overturn. That's what my dog does when um, some dogs, I'm sorry to be gross, but they like to snack out of the cat litter box. Yeah, I'm glad I don't have a cat with this dog. I, could, I would not put it past her. They just, but she does the same thing where she slowly walks towards it and look, keeps looking at me. Uh-huh. Like, oh, I'm not doing anything. Who, me? It. Yeah, it's so... I mean, the whole sort of like, I understand we're not supposed to anthropomorphize our animals, but when, especially with what, I mean, I, I've said this before, but I feel that she is extremely smart. Um, she, I, I couldn't be more sure that she knows how to pose as if she's doing something else. Right. I mean, I, I don't know if I, I think I've said this on the podcast before, but she likes to lick his food bowl when he's done. And for some reason that just makes us crazy because we're afraid that it will eventually become her trying to get his food while oh. he's still eating. Right. So we're, I guess we're just trying to enforce the sort of like, no, that's not yours. That's his. And so she'll do this thing where if she's alone near that bowl after they've both finished eating, she'll go over to lick it um, but if she's caught, she sort of veers her head over and starts licking the water next to it, looking up at us like, you guys, <laughs> no, I wanted water. This is, why are you even being like this right now? I love it. It's so annoying. It's annoying that I feel she can uh, fool us the way children can fool their parents sometimes. I love it. My old dog, my last dog, Buddy, he loved to eat out of the cat litter box and um, he was capable of silently entering a room and only when he was doing that because all other times you'd always hear him, his nails on the hardwood floor. Yeah. But he would secretly come into a room and get the litter box and you wouldn't have heard him go in there. And I love that he knew how to sneak yeah. around. He knows stealth mode. If he needs stealth mode, he will use it. I love it. These, these, these wild animals. These animals that we, for some reason have decided we want to live with us. I love it. Um, 
so first of all, one thing I want to say is uh, this has nothing to do with you, but I feel like slightly sluggish because uh, I woke up at 1130 this morning, uh-huh. did not go to bed late. Right. Am not sick, didn't feel particularly tired. And it was just one of those, I, I, I must have needed it. Yeah. It was one of those. Yeah. But it was so shocking to me that I like, I, I like, <laughs> every part of me knew it wasn't daylight savings, but that's how right. shocking it was. I was Googling like, it's not, it, did the hours change? It's not 1130. I don't sleep past like usually nine, maybe at the latest. Yeah. I don't know what was going on, but for some reason. You must. I mean, I just assume once in a while that happens and it's because your body, your immune system is preventing you from getting sick from something. Yeah. And then because whenever I do get sick, if I just for like two days rest without doing really anything, uh, it goes away a lot faster. Yeah. So it, that must be what it was. It was preemptively, because I feel fine. Again, don't feel like I'm getting sick. Just feel yeah. like whatever. Yeah, it was like a weird flyover where my body really was just like, we got this. Don't use your brain. I have a theory, though. What if Whitley slipped you a sleeping I'm pill? I'm thinking that's what, that's <laughs> so a solid she could, theory. <laughs> she could just have free reign of the house. We that's don't know. That's a solid theory. <laughs> I, to me, honestly, in a way, it does seem more believable than just that I just that I slept for no reason it at all. It would be really cute if a dog was drugging its person to just get away with whatever adorable. they want. Adorable. So adorable. Uh, now, are you good at doing that thing where you just kind of shut down and go, no, I need to rest? Unfortunately, I'm super good at it. It's, hard, it's harder to go in the other direction. Like my favorite, that's why when I get sick, I, I always am conflicted because part of me is like, ooh, now I can't do anything but watch Netflix or uh-huh. whatever. <laughs> um, but then after a few days, I'm I, everyone, you get tired of it. Yeah. I forget how good I feel when I'm doing stuff and I'm busy. I In my mind, my favorite thing to do is nothing, but actually I'm a lot happier when I'm busy, you know? Yeah. I know exactly what you mean. It is a real sort of grass is always greener kind of thing. But I will say, like, I particularly felt that in school. Like, I just did not enjoy the responsibility of having to go to school. And so yeah. when I got sick, uh, I definitely have, like, very, very visceral memories of, because I would get strep throat a lot, and mm. just that feeling of, like, once you've sort of gone over the hump enough that you can get out of bed, right? the freedom for me yeah. as a junior high schooler or a high schooler to watch whatever I wanted and just right. eat trash all day right? and have a, and feel like I was getting away with something. And then that would kind of convert into a, like, a, a, like a real dread of going back because right. it did feel like, oh, the world's going on without me. Maybe I just belong here now. Right. <laughs> like, I don't know. It's going to be weird when I go back. Yeah. There's going to be homework and stuff. Like it, you sort of yeah. fall out of the pace of school life and the the shift is feel, felt so dramatic and immediate to me. Yeah, I I also loved staying homesick from school, except when I was in elementary school in the seventies. Um, daytime TV was terrible. Um, <laughs> That's true. One of the things that was on every afternoon was a show called Love American Style. Okay, heard of it and haven't seen it. It's so, it was so bad. It was a sketch show, but it was, um, 
it wasn't shot on a live stage like Saturday Night Live. It was a sketch show and it was all about couples and dating and sex. And so when you're like eight, it didn't, it was, it didn't make any sense, but I could also just tell like, this is a shitty show. (laughs) It was really bad. I don't know if I knew it was a sketch show. I guess I, I've heard about it only so peripherally that I didn't even realize what it was. Would it be reruns on during the day? Yeah. I'm trying to remember like, and now I'm wondering, am I, remembering it wrong it w- i think it was like um a sketch show but it was like uh um filmed like um like a sit well whatever is the kind of i never can remember if it's single can camera yeah. or whichever is the one that's like filmed without a laugh track yeah although they single did camera yeah I think they did pipe in a laugh track, but it was clearly they were not filming in front Uh of an audience. Yeah. It was real. And that was like, so the excitement of staying home from school, there would always be the downer of now there's true. There's this terrible show on. That's I mean, that really is. So uh, like I'm saying anything new, but that really, that really does make a huge difference. Like the, the, the beginning of cable TV and being able to record programs on a VCR is like, yeah. I, I, I wonder if you were like, if you were a sociologist who became very interested in this particular study and phenomenon, like if they yeah. tracked the amount of sick days increasing <laughs> in children with certain advents of stuff, like did yeah. it suddenly, you know, become way more common for a child to miss more school yeah. on either side of being sick and all that kind of stuff because yeah. it just became infinitely more entertaining. Now it's like, it really, it's a th- real thing where people are like, I have to get caught up on the shows that I haven't seen where it used to be like a desert of yeah. anything. Yes, please come back over here with me. I love you. She's uh, the right. second my hand lifted yeah. from her fur, she was like, this is not going to work for me. I need constant <laughs> attention. I need to feel I'm the priority in this room. And then he's just sort of mostly asleep. He's got that sort of slightly open eye that Buddy, probably is. It. <laughs> I love it. Oh, she's um, going down. Where, uh, where did you grow up? Where were you, a teenager? Um, I was uh, in Torrance, California. So I think it's like 30 miles south of here. Mm-hmm. Is that considered the OC or is that no, just south we're, of? No, we're between LA and Orange County. Right. Kind of equally distant from both, I think. And um, um, not a fan of Torrance, California. Mm-hmm. Understood, okay. I, there are a lot of people there that I love, but as a as a city it's not very pretty is it like industrial kind of or yeah it's a lot of it's industrial and then there's um part of it is along the coast so there's the beach thing at my high school was like um just a terrible perfect storm of um hot bodied beach people (laughs) i wasn't in that crowd um Hot bodies. Hot bodies, beach people. Um, kids whose parents had new money. Not mm. not like Kardashian new money, but like um, just enough to have, always have a lot of clothes and stuff. And uh, both my parents were teachers. So it's not like, we, or my dad was a principal. So it's not like we were poor, but we weren't. My, my dad grew up in the Depression. 
with eight siblings. Yeah. And so he didn't give a shit about what other kids were wearing and helping us keep up with it. Now I totally understand that, but I also still think you should buy your kids clothes so they can feel good about Uh going to school. (laughs) How many siblings do you have? I have a twin sister and a brother who's a year and a half older. And then I have two half siblings, a brother and sister who um, were like 10 years older and they grew up in Massachusetts and we grew up out here, but I would, we would see them periodically. Gotcha. But so in the house is more you and your sister and your brother. Yeah. Um, Yeah. That's a, that's, that's something that I, I, I totally understand too, is the, like you got, you sort of hope, I guess, as a, even just looking back, like I, I want to be a hundred percent on board for like, yeah, shouldn't matter. Right. But I guess I do feel like there's a sweet spot of like, well, maybe there's a way to kind of try to do both if you can. I, you know, because I had the same thing. I remember feeling, you know, and my dad got really, was, was really cool about giving me allowance and he was a teacher and was sort of a single dad and, um, or single parent. And, uh, and so I did get an allowance and like, he got it. You know what I mean? He was, yeah. he was, he was pretty, he was cool. And he did have a sense of like, well, you know, I want you to, but he, yeah. but, but he also had a lot of very wealthy friends whose kids were like, you know, had a lot more than I did. And so I was excited right. to get like the guest jeans yeah. rip offs, <laughs> but like it was still, that felt like a coup. Like, Ooh, these yeah. almost look like, yes. Yeah. I'll take them. This, right. this triangle, this slightly <laughs> off center pocket triangle that sort of has like a, like yeah. a like a question mark that's sort of misshapen <laughs> yeah i also love that when i was a kid tough skins which was a sears brand of jeans which they weren't totally denim they were some other conglomerate tough skins is great and it was what everybody like wore part cement yeah they were <laughs> some, some cement grain mixed into the denim they were total the attitude towards kids clothing back then was like it's great if they're cute, but really what's going to be easiest for women to wash yeah. <laughs> and keep clean. And so tough skins were, were designed skins. to like not get not something about them repelled everything. So they wouldn't get and stay dirty. Yeah. But they were real. But that there's one, probably like asbestos in them. It's really yeah. something that turns out to just be poison. It was they were pretty otherworldly and but i do love that in the seven being a kid in the 70s like there was that period until for me it was like until 10 years old where you didn't think about what you looked like or what your clothes looked like you were thinking about what's fun what am i going to do today and that kind of thing and the only thought about clothes in terms of is it hot or cold outside you know and do you you feel like that's less so that really is more a kind of uh, sign of the times thing than just your age like do you think that well it you, did you, seems, you feel like you notice a shift from in the 80s when everything kind of was like branding and stuff I guess it seems like I have a niece and nephew who she's 11 and he's 10 it has seemed to me like throughout their elementary school years kids clothes are like mini adult clothes in terms of being whatever the current style is got it and uh, I don't know if they're, they might still have the same lack of awareness of it, um, but the, definitely the kids' clothes are like stylish now. When, and when I was a kid, it was just, 
<laughs> they were u- utilitarian, if yeah. that's the word. Yeah, little so, kid uniforms. Yeah, they were just rough and tumble. Uh-huh. Um, but maybe they don't, maybe they're not aware of it. Maybe it's more the parents that care what they, the style of kids' clothes. And it's also probably just a way to charge more money for them. Um, but I did, I do re- clearly remember the shift from uh, no self-consciousness to total self-consciousness. Yeah. And I don't think that's a fun shift. No. <laughs> it's not a good time. Does your, do, uh, first of all, did you and your twin, are you fraternal or uh, yeah, identical? fraternal. Okay, so there wasn't, was there like a let's dress them the same kind of scenario? Yeah, but usually my mom would buy like the same top and pants, but... One would be pink and one would be green or whatever, like the same st- uh, style but d- uh, different colors. And Would you guys get to identify which ones you wanted or were you always the green one? I don't – I think um, probably I frequently was the green one. <laughs> Now that I think about it, only because we've now identified just (laughs) that's what I was really, really to glom onto that super quick and turn it into an entire (laughs) lifestyle. Well, green is my favorite color. So there's a a good chance I was the green Uh one. But also like my sister is a tiny bit smaller. So like if we were wearing um, whatever kids clothes are like a size four, um, She'd be a size four and I would be a size four X. Uh-huh. And I, if you look at pictures of us when we were kids, we look the same, but she's a tiny, her frame is a little smaller. So that we didn't, we could wear each other's clothes, but we just didn't because it was like, oh, those, those are hers, you know, but yeah. a lot of times they were, they looked identical and we didn't care. I didn't ever, we I don't know if it's different now, but back then they didn't put twins in the same classroom. Oh, okay. So, um, I guess, yeah, I think that, I think that's like know. sometimes yes, sometimes no, depending on the yeah. school. I think, um, because I just never, it never bothered me that if we dressed alike or different, you know, um, yeah, when we were, when it wasn't until high school and towards the end of high school, when I started to feel like, I want to be my own separate person, yeah. you know. Um, I gotta hope uh, Scott just tiny bit snored. Oh yeah, he's got a good snore going. Dog snoring is one of my favorite sounds <laughs> in the you, whole world. You are you are <laughs> one of the top ten guests who have actually said like my preference would be that they be in the room. I love it. It's usually like no, oh, I don't mind. Like either way, whatever. But like you were like, yeah. well, if you if it's okay with you. Yeah. I would like to hear that gentle <laughs> snoring. I love it. <laughs> I love if I'm at a party. I don't really like parties, but if you're at a party and you're uncomfortable and then there's a dog, it's like yeah. golden ticket. You That's know? how I feel about children at parties too, which I guess yeah. shows you exactly how I feel about parties <laughs> and what kind I like to go to too, because clearly if I'm gravitating yeah. towards like going and playing with the kids then yeah. already we're not talking about like a hot <laughs> late night party <laughs> well, but same with animals yeah for yeah. sure to be like oh can i just you know what i'm gonna be in the room where the bunny is if that's yeah, cool oh. god a party bunny is uh-huh. great <laughs> just finding i guess that rabbit. also could have different connotations if you're talking about a late night party that's in true. the hills but hope i always thought 
it'd be cool someday to pretend to be begrudgingly going to the Playboy Mansion when secretly I just want to know what the fuck's going on in there. Oh, understood. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But pretend on that. Like, be friends with someone famous who's like, let's go to a party. And like, I'm not, I don't support. And then they're like, come on. Okay, yeah. And then I just want to see every secret passageway. And 100% agree. Everything. But I, I couldn't agree more. It's now a very, it's, I have very mixed feelings about it. Yeah. It seems like um, fascinating because it's, Parts of it are secret, right? Or am I? No, I think you're, I think so. I mean, aren't they? I thought, I mean, I know there's the secret grotto. I don't know that I would want to Which I guess go isn't that, that much part. of a secret anymore because so many things have now been like filmed at the grotto yeah. or, you know, on oh, yeah, phone with, or whatever. With the girls next door yeah. reality show, it's not as mysterious, but still I would want to, I, I would also just want to um, eavesdrop and just um watch all the famous guys who pretend to be um feminists and then are just like although i can't blame i really can't blame anyone for being blinded by someone else's physical beauty like i i'm not saying that men who get boners at playboy bunnies are necessarily chauvinists right but some of them are and i would love to eavesdrop on uh-huh. that <laughs> Well, it is one of those, I mean, the, it's just, it, it's something that especially, I mean, I don't like, I don't know what my relationship to it would be if I were, a, if I were way older or if I were way younger, but for me at the age that I am, like for most of the time that I was paying any attention at all, the Playboy mm-hmm. Mansion was this like place you heard about. It wasn't on television. It wasn't right. something that you could you had access to in any way. Uh, you just knew it existed. And Playboy was like the magazine that I would get really excited to like happen across at someone else's house or, you right. know, it, I didn't like, I got, I got, I had a look way too young at like a penthouse and was like, Oh no, 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 hold on. Yeah. That seems like weirdly <laughs> medical. Like yeah. was, it was so, it was so like incredibly, at the, I mean, at the time now it seems yeah. like quaint and adorable, but it was, it was so explicit that I, I, I do, I was too young and I remember really being like, this seems like me- medical. Like it actually yeah. seems like anatomically I don't want to see this shiny thing right now but Playboy was this sort of it really was kind of what it portended to be which was like so airbrushed and just boobs 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 and it and and the awareness that like I probably wasn't supposed to look at it so it did have this kind of heightened like it was just okay enough that I didn't think of it at the time of I, I wasn't I had I didn't have an aware of chauvinism or sexism. It just seemed right. like look at these cute girls. They all seem so happy. Right. Look at seem- her on that swing with just a bra on. <laughs> you know, like yeah. it just like so there there it there he really captured something there. Yeah. Um, and so there is that part of me that's like oh yeah like that that I think that part of me wants to do that. But yeah. like me, if I just heard about it for the first time today, I would be like, oh, I have no interest in that. That yeah. couldn't be less interesting to me. Yeah, it's weird. It was definitely, that's the magazine that our neighbor friend's dad had. And it was like, I know we're not supposed to look at naked people, but also her parents walked around naked, which in retrospect, something was going on. <laughs> <laughs> you shouldn't. I Well, they walked around naked in front of you. I mean, I believe that it was just an accepted thing that they they were hippies. It was the 70s. 
they sometimes walked around nude and were like, yeah, this is just how it is. And at the time I just thought, well, their parents are, they're hippies, you know? But now I'm like, yeah, I would never be naked in front of someone else's kid and probably not in front of my own if I had kids past an age where they're, when they're babies, like a lot of people will take a shower or bath with their tiny kid. Yeah. Um, That's, but I also just feel like, it's weird. I remember seeing adult nudity as a little child and just being like, what is that? I mean, mostly if I saw, not mostly, there weren't a lot. Um, <laughs> just as a little kid, a grown man's genitals, even if it's just you're walking down the hall and they happen to have the bathroom door open and they've just gotten out of it, whatever, just like it was weird to me. Yeah. They look weird. Yeah. Oh, I don't, I mean, I had never seen, I had just never seen a live naked man for, for you know, until, until I was doing it by choice, I Yeah, guess. I feel like that's ideal. Yeah. I don't necessarily <laughs> think, but that's why those neighbors, in retrospect, there was weird stuff going on, but they had Playboy. And also, I think it's funny that um, so many men, like women's reaction to, as you put it, like something that looks like a medical picture of genitals, men want that. That, I never, I really think that it's part of their makeup. It's not just social conditioning because I think I think that's why dick pics are a thing is because they're hoping women will start reciprocating and they don't understand we don't do that because we don't want to see that. <laughs> I'm not saying it's wrong that they do, but it's really interesting to me because in my 20s, I thought um, all the main differences between men and women that weren't strictly biological, I mean, strictly physical, everything else was social conditioning. Mm -hmm. And now I think like there's just some ways that we are. um, um, Like physiologically, genetically. And psychologically, I think in some ways different that aren't necessarily um, the patriarchy. Like my nephew has always been a puncher, not that he attacks anyone, but just as a little kid, he was, it was always like, he just, you know, arms shooting out and bumping into people and and being really rough. Whereas my niece, who's actually more athletic than him, (laughs) But she never went through a, I'm walking around punching people. (laughs) And I think that's a boy thing. It's so hard to tease apart now. And I think that's, that's one of the things, I mean, I don't, we don't have to go down this road. And I, I, uh, I usually don't, um, like set out to do a podcast where I'm really talking about like current events. And I, I just had Eliza Skinner on, I've already had her on. So we sort of talked about being young and stuff together. And, but I wanted to kind of talk about what has been going on in, in the media this last year. Um, because I don't ever comment on it anywhere else. Right. Uh, and so I feel I'd like, I'm like hyper aware that I, I already kind of like deconstructed a bunch of it or wrestled with my own feelings about it. But part of, we didn't really talk about this, but that, but that part of what's been, I think, confusing and hard and, and is to use what I said, uh, in that episode that, that I'm hoping is just kind of growing pains is that it's, um, we're just in this precarious time now where 
like it's not it's like it's kind of not okay uh socially to write something off as being like well that's just how men are do you know what i mean like that's a Catherine deneuve thing right is like Catherine deneuve being like let's not blow this out of proportion like guys are creepy it's fine or you know they don't know they're being creepy they just get boners when they see blah 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 like right she didn't say any of those things but but that there's this we're in this precarious time where 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 like there there's no there's never an excuse for anything and i totally understand that and i am not saying that that's wrong because again i think certain things have to happen the way they have to happen to elicit change but um but it feels scary to kind of even have a conversation right now where you're like well yeah but like also you know that's not saying every man and it's not saying every woman and it's not you know it's not generalizing to create stereotypes or to accept behavior that's unacceptable but is it right. but but could it still be okay to say well yeah you know there are different genes in this yeah. person and this person and and that for the same reason that there that there should be room for there to be more gender fluidity isn't that also the same kind of science that could suggest that there are men who have more testosterone and women who have less or have more testosterone, like all of those things, can they still contribute to the kind of stuff that you're talking about and, and, and not have that be that you're an apologist or that you're just like blanket saying like, well, it's cool guys. You men are men, you know, like, yeah, that's not what, that's not what was being said here. You know? Yeah. I definitely, I mean, I should, I probably should also say, so my nephew is much more, empathetic than my niece um although they're both equally my favorite people but um so some I'm not I definitely don't think oh he's all these stereotypical male things yeah um but just that I did notice not only the punching but like with his friends at school they in third grade he told me he and his best friend had a game called friendship ruins everything where they sat on swings next to each other, held hands, and then um, tried to violently jerk the other person <laughs> off the swing. <laughs> and that, I just I think, can't believe they had a clever name for it. That yeah, young? He, he and his friends are, are pretty um, smart-alecky, funny little dudes. But wow. yeah, they just, they. I think that, um, like, it probably is uh, male genetic thing but that like with gender fluidity i feel like why shouldn't it be okay that there are some people who have female genitals and chromosomes but have more testosterone and so a girl who did want a rough house who thought it was fun to smash into another person there's nothing i don't think there's anything bad about that and i don't think anybody like we could it it could be, I think, possible that most XX people and are have certain physical attributes and most XY people have others. And then there are people who are more in the middle. And who gives a shit? They should be able to be who they are and have it not matter in any way where anyone's going to be... Th- like, it's with, with um, gender stuff and with... Um, homosexuality, those two things, when anyone's upset about them, there's something seriously crazy going on because most people, even if they are conservative or whatever, 
they, who they're like, I don't give a shit what someone else is doing. How could you? It doesn't affect you, you know? Yeah. Um, having said that, I never had to dodge punches from my niece when she was little. <laughs> <laughs> and I like that. I like not being punched. <laughs> I guess I kind of like, to be honest with you, I can't guarantee that I don't, that I wouldn't. Yeah, there's just, it's Martha, we are not scientists and you and I have not right. made a lifetime study of this. Right. But I, I'm so, I don't think. No, I haven't. I'm making a lot of assumptions. We no, haven't gotten, haven't. so far we haven't really gotten past like <laughs> you deciding you were self-conscious about your clothes. So I haven't even gotten into high school yet. Uh, but but I just don't, I just am, I, I don't know uh, where this is all going and I don't know how much of it I just don't know what's nature and nurture and uh, and yeah. maybe that's a, completely and utterly impossible and it doesn't matter but it does matter in that like as we change our socializing of children like it will be really interesting to see how that stuff plays out and that's and but I yeah. but yeah I, I agree with you that like the thing I'm excited about continuing to move forward in our evolution as people is hopefully and hopefully like a higher and higher acceptance and awareness of this does not threaten me in any way shape or form even if what I represent is what I'm used to right you know that this is but like the 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 advent for change and that the acceptance that change is not scary or the acceptance that it's scary but that it's okay and that it's you know whatever like the the ability to look inside yourself and go what's made me uncomfortable about this is it that i truly feel threatened like is this a real serious threat to anything really about me as a person and my happiness and safety no okay then i'm just going to push past that right away rather than like i'm going to keep pushing up against it can we get some legislation in here guys yeah i mean how in the world could two men getting married have any effect on my life outside of if there are people I love, maybe I'm invited to the wedding. Yeah. And if not, or maybe they don't invite me because we're in a fight. How in <laughs> any way could it have any impact well, let on let me throw anyone? a monkey wrench in. If I happen to be the straight woman who's in love with that gay man, right. and in the 50s, right. I would have stood a chance at marrying him and right. having a very complicated and confusing marriage with him. <laughs> this makes that less possible. They're stealing our husbands. That's right. <laughs> that, That's right. I hadn't thought of that. <laughs> well, welcome You're to my right, world. Though. It's all I think about. You're right, though. It's all I think about. Um, mm. What was your uh, relationship to relationships like when you were a teenager? Did you shy away? Did you explore? Was there interest? Was there well, resistance? I have um, a rocky past. Uh as an adolescent, the first boy I kissed was in fifth grade. I was 11. It was not what I wanted. Um, it was just, I wanted to, I liked him. I had a crush on him. I wanted to just hug and hold hands. And he, sadly, this is a lot of times the case with with kids who are advanced sexually at a young age is because they've been molested. So he was wanting to do more because he had been molested i didn't know that or if i did i didn't understand it you know but he wanted to make out and i was like 11 my niece is 11 and she's not showing any signs of wanting to uh, make out she's not putting an arm around you she's like chasing no she's certainly not hitting on me which is (laughs) great but she's like 
her relationship with boys is like we chase each other we play and that i'm glad because i think you should get to enjoy childhood as long as you are feeling like a child but i um because i like this boy and he was advanced started kissing in the fifth grade and it just wasn't what I wanted and particularly not French kissing, um, which is all he wanted to do. Um, so I didn't like that. And then off and on through fifth and sixth grade, we would be boyfriend and girlfriend, which just meant sometimes French kissing and I didn't like it. Mm -hmm. Um, and then, and then we parted ways and then I didn't, I would, the rest of my adolescence was like I would like a boy and frequently not have it be re requited is that how you say it mm -hmm. and then if it was I would instantly not like him anymore so I think I started too early I and then um and then just couldn't function in that way and then just had stuff happen in my family where um my dad was really controlling and and kind of cut us off from hanging out with friends outside of school in middle school so by high school I didn't know necessarily how to be with boys my age and I had one drunken hookup with an older guy at 16 and um didn't think it counted and I still don't know if we had sex I know that we is this okay to say? Oh, that? yeah, for sure. Like, I think I was 16, he was 20, both drinking. I wanted to get experience because I w was behind. And then um, we tried to have sex. It was really painful. And he stopped and said he couldn't because how of how painful it was for me. But we might have started to, but I still considered myself a virgin after that. And... And night, who cares at this point now yeah. looking back? Like virginity was such a big deal to me in this in the sense of wanting to lose it. Yeah. <laughs> um and now I'm like, yeah, who gives a shit about I mean, no kid should have to worry about either holding on to it or getting rid of it, you yeah. know? I will say, yeah, for me, I for as much as I was self-conscious about and for as kind of weird as you know I, I think a lot of people feel about whatever their path was it's it, it can right. it can it can seem at times both completely normal because that was what you went through and so that was what was normal but then right. also in retrospect or even at the time maybe being like well this also feel like this is normal because it's me but it's also it feels weird because it's not what everyone else is going through or what have you right I that is one thing I don't either I've blocked it or or it wasn't that the idea of when and how that would happen right was not a big deal to me like That's that I first for whatever reason that was not um I didn't rush to do it right but I said on the podcast before and I and I and I have very fond feelings for the person that that I lost my virginity to and and uh and I'm I'm totally happy that it was him I'm but but at the same time I'm kind like looking back I am a little surprised that it was him like right looking back I'm like god I like I had relationships before that so it must have just been like it was time like whatever yeah. because I wasn't overthinking it it just happened when the whatever was going on inside me was ready because I don't remember I didn't have a lot of like conversations before then where I was like stop let's right. stop at this 
Right. I, you, I can tell you want this and I don't. I don't remember ever having those those conversations. Right. Um, and then it just sort of happened. So for me, I guess it was like, that was sort of um, like not, it wasn't sort of a big deal in, in that way. That's good. But it's funny because when you were talking about the boy that you, that you wanted to French kiss you all the time, one thing I will say is I, I have no memory of being molested at all, but I was very sexually aware from a very young age just because of masturbation. Like for whatever reason, I just figured that out way early. Like before puberty? Oh, yeah. Wow. Like I, like I've, to- I've told this story before, but like I got in trouble for masturbating in preschool because <laughs> wow. I didn't know it was wrong. Um, I mean, yeah, that's weird because I feel like a kid that age shouldn't be made to feel ashamed of doing something that isn't hurting anyone. But at the same time, you probably don't want kids, all the kids in preschool masturbating, (laughs) especially, especially. I don't hold it against them. I definitely don't hold it against them. But it really made. But but like I do question now, like, oh, what? How was that? I mean, I'm, this is not, I'm probably not going to get into this and I don't know that I even have specific examples, but like sometimes when I think about that story and I kind of laugh to myself, I do think like, I wonder if that informed like turn-ons and stuff. Like I wonder if there's some part right. of me that's like, ooh, I don't want to get caught. Like, cause we right. talk about sort of like how those things end up manifesting yeah. later. Um, but, but so, but, but I, when I was little, I had like these fierce makeout sessions, not French kissing which is kind of funny. Look, I've said this before, but like looking back, I'm like, what were we doing? Cause right. that, at least that's an extra element of it. That's like more of an activity. But yeah. when you're just mashing your lips together for an hour, like, yeah. wow. What, what, cause there was nothing else going on. It's like, that's God, that's so just funny. mashing your lips together. That's a, that's a real commitment of time. <laughs> but I would have these like long drawn out makeout sessions with my, with a couple of my girlfriends and, uh, and at the time, it wasn't like we were like, well, this must mean we're in love with each other. It was just right. like, yeah, let's play boyfriend-girlfriend is what we called it. Right. And then the first boy that I had like a, like a, like a kiss with for this kid from the neighborhood when I was probably about 10 or something like that mm-hmm. um, bit my lip hard like aggressively and angrily hard and and so it's just funny because that's sort of like my version of your nephew punching you like oh wait girls kiss so sweet and nice and then boys are like i'm gonna hurt you yeah that's crazy also even the kid that i french kissed with who by no stretch was a sensitive uh good-hearted kid uh, to my knowledge he never bit anybody like that kid who bit you can go to hell i got a biter he, he sounds like he might have been a serial killer. <laughs> if I had reported his seven-year-old ass then, then maybe. Oh, well, seven, though, he he might have, at seven, they don't, kids don't know what the fuck they're doing. Like, yeah, I mean, I don't know. Yeah. I think he was still, I think he, I think that was a situation where, like, he probably wasn't ready to not just be chasing girls and pushing them down. Yeah. Um, But for some reason, he wanted to kiss me, and maybe he was, like, that, this not knowing what to do with whatever was yeah. happening turned into like what would happen if i just bit her oh that's so oh i don't know that kid's last name otherwise i'd look him up and see how he's doing i'm sorry that he bit you but oh, yeah okay. he probably was angry that he liked you and bit you because at that age no one knows what's happening i just and at re- many ages no one knows yeah, what's happening. that's true i don't often know what's happening and i'm 49 and i'll be 50 this month and lots of times um like I should lie about my age because everyone in uh, I don't I don't really fully consider myself to be in show business 
but I do have a job that's in show. <laughs> and everyone that. lies about their age. And so I think, well, then people are going to think I'm probably 60 if I'm saying I'm 50. <laughs> but I also feel really this angry, like, no one wants to get old and die but why should anyone have to lie about doing something that when that they haven't done anything wrong they can't control yeah like, yeah no one well my age has been know? out there on the internet for so long that it doesn't like there's no point in me trying to conceal it someone else made that decision for me like it's just out there so i didn't even i don't have the choice of being like should i lie <laughs> like too late everyone well, knows yeah i don't i just i think it's um it's a bummer. It's also a bummer to lie and because then I'd feel like, well, my niece, then I'm saying to young, like part of why I'm afraid to get older as a lady is because my impression is that ladies, as they get older, are afraid of it and lie about it. Yeah. And I don't want to contribute to that. I but couldn't it, agree more. You know, but at the same time, um, I'd love to be honestly saying that I'm 35, <laughs> but nobody can control time. Nobody can control time, but I. But also there's a big part of that that feels universal, which is that <clears throat> most people would say, at least in my experience of talking to people, uh, that, that you don't suddenly feel like you're, I don't know. I mean, I don't know. People have very different relationships to their ages, but a right. lot of people, people that I, certainly a lot of people that I like and respect are like, I just kind of stopped feeling any age at a certain point. Like I was kind of tracking it up until, and that age might be different for different people. But in right. general, people like I sort of feel like, yeah, I'm 30. Like I just, but I, but I think I kind of felt like I was 30 when I was 25 too. Right. Like I just kind of, for me, that's just like an age that feels like familiar. Right. Uh, but I'm not. But <laughs> like, I think that, yeah. you know, there to people just sort of different I, I just don't know how i don't i i know very few people who are in their 70s who are like mm, i feel 70 yeah most people continuously say like i don't know my body and my face are changing but like right. i don't really feel different yeah i think the i feel different in a in a one way which is that i was living with untreated severe clinical depression in my 20s and 30s and so that in some way is a help because when I think about like, yeah, I wish that I wish that humans and animals didn't, I wish that we didn't deteriorate and die, but I wouldn't want to be 30 again because of how miserable I was. And so inside I'm happier than I was then, but I would still love it if um, like if I didn't, hurt my neck and like uh, throw my neck out for days because I reached for my alarm clock too suddenly. Like that never happens when you're <laughs> Martha, I need to break some news to you, which is that the first time I threw my back out, the first time I threw my back out, I was 19 years old. Wow. And I was reaching for a pen. I love it. So I um. absolutely am standing here to tell you and I was um, not like, I mean, I was a, you know, I wasn't like athletic, but I was a fit, healthy, anxious 19 so, year old. So the anxiety can happen at any age and yeah. that can completely affect your and will physically, you know, affect you. So that's I, I will tell you that I have, 
I, I have thrown, I have had more problems. I have to go to the doctor for problems with my neck more and back more in my early twenties than I did now. Wow. So it's, it's all relative. That makes sense with anxiety though. Cause that can make you so tense yeah. that you could, um, hurt yourself. But, but I think it's a definitely, so like kids are almost made of rubber. Like, I, Tuskins. Yeah, when my when my niece was a baby, um, I was living with my parents, and she was coming over every day when her parents were at work after like maternity maternity leave was over. So when she was a baby, and then a year later, her brother came along. When they were at the walking but not recognizing sharp edges age, I followed them around with my hands out to guard against every because I was afraid of them getting hurt. And meanwhile kids can fall all day and just almost never get actually hurt. And then when you're in your forties, really the alarm goes off and you wake up and you just a little too, (laughs) a little too quickly move your shoulder and then, Oh God, my neck for days it hurt. And I was so mad because I can't guard against something I, that happens when I'm half awake. Because I wasn't doing it on purpose, yeah. you know? Yeah. That's the the annoying thing about <laughs> about the aging process is just not, not being able to prevent yourself from getting hurt because of, I guess, I don't know. But at the same time, I'm, I'm due more to try and be healthy. When I was in my 20s, I really thought a giant cookie a little bag of Doritos and a giant Coke was a reasonable lunch. Yeah. And I didn't understand why. And when I was like 25 and I had gotten pretty overweight and was seeing a therapist and was like, I should, I want to lose weight. I should start exercising. She was like, why don't you just try walking every day for like, you know, just start off small, like 20 minutes. 20 minutes. (laughs) What? I mean, that I couldn't imagine. So that's how I lived in my 20s and 30s. And now I am more careful. And I do think if you try to eat healthy and be physically active in a safe way as you get older, (laughs) that you can avoid some of the real bum out stuff that happens to people in their 60s and 70s. Um, I can't believe I've been talking about aging for 10 minutes. (laughs) Uh, on the JV club. I'm sorry. It's quite all right. Well, the, the thing that kind of stuck, and then I do want to get into this mash game with you, but the thing that stuck out to me about that, just just that is, is just that is particularly the t- depression. It's just so hard to, um, that's a cycle that I, uh, I empathize with so deeply because um, it's incredibly hard to not be happy and to have someone to tell, to like sort of tell you, things that will make you happier and when they speaking of threaten when they sort of emotionally threaten like comforts that come which certainly for me include food and sugar and carbs and stuff like that um there's just something so that it just becomes more depressing like it's i i will never judge anyone ever for being overweight for what like when people are like "Ah, why don't they just do something about that? I get so angry because yeah. if I'm not saying that that's a, first of all, I'm not saying it's bad to be overweight as long as you're 
whatever your weight is that you're taking care of yourself. Right. That's what I would prefer for everyone, whatever that looks like. But when people are like, you know, oh, this person's overweight, they're lazy, or um, they're clearly unhappy, why don't they just X, Y, Z? Right. I mean, I, and I'm saying this as a person who's never been like clinically overweight, but as a person right. who's had depression, anxiety, and has a relationship to eating that I just completely, when someone is like, well, just stop eating cookies. What's wrong with right. you? That's yeah. why you're upset. You know what I mean? Like, it's just yeah. so like, no, 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 no. Yeah. It's, it's not heart- simple at all. It's heartbreaking whenever I've, whenever I see people who are like in the, um, like three, four, five hundred pound range, knowing like I'm also a sober alcoholic and um and in recovery for um eating disorder stuff. And I just know like that is no different than an alcoholic or a heroin addict. You're looking at someone who is in a lot of pain and is holding on to something to try and manage that pain. And that started before the weight gain. And why the fuck would you be mean to someone in that condition, you know, in that much um, that that life is has been so painful that you have to turn to a, a substance to just try and kill the pain. You know, it's heartbreaking. And yeah, it is hard when I was a teenager and in my 20s, I just didn't understand like. I would diet, lose weight, and then go back to binging and just because that's what gave me comfort. Even if that fantasy of any overweight girls especially, well, when I'm thin, I'll be super happy. Right. And then losing weight and being like, I this isn't, I'm not a magical fairy princess. I'm just haven't had my beloved Oreo cookies for a couple yeah. months, you know? And especially when it's like the the substance abuse thing too, uh, exactly to your point is um, like when I am feeling the worst, usually those things all come together. So if I feel fat, all I want to do is eat. Right. There's no part there. It, it, and I, and then I, and then I hate myself for it. Like, right. and I'm, and I'm feeling all those things at the same time. I'm not feeling like, you know what will make me feel great eating because I feel fat and then I'll right. eat. And then I'll later feel better. Like I'm, I'm processing it all at once. It's like right. you piece of shit. You, you're fucking fat. Might as well just eat this thing that's going to make you feel worse, but it's still right. going to make you feel better. Because also, what's the point anyway? Life sucks. Right. Like it's just, it's just such a mix of stuff that's happening all at the same time. It, it's, it's, it's really hard when the thing that you want to give up because you're upset with yourself or depending on it is also right. this thing that is in some way you're allowing to control your feelings at the same time for right. better or for worse. Yeah, it's real it is hard. I that's what I wish that people understood that compulsive overeating is the same dynamic as any other addiction and not a sign of um someone being lazy or an asshole or whatever, but I also think that one reason people the people who are mean about it which probably are not the majority of people, but the people who are shitty about it, it probably makes them uncomfortable because it is an unhideable consequence of someone's pain. Whereas you can hide your drinking and your drug use up to a point. People can hide it for years. And you can't pass by someone walking down the street who isn't stumbling drunk 
and know that they're an alcoholic, but you can, if someone is 500 pounds, you can know that they are using food as a drug and that's sad and so it makes you uncomfortable and then you're mean about it is what I, that's what I think is going on. Yeah, but there's but but there's this broken piece where you know people don't like to be around sick people for the same reason, right. and they don't, and it's uncomfortable. And you know those those of us who have had friends or family members go through something like cancer, um, there, there you, I think there's you know I have a lot of sympathy for and empathy for people on both sides because it's really hard to see someone you care about be sick. Um, And it's for a number of reasons. Number one, it's hard because you love them and you don't want to see them go through that. Number two, no one wants to feel like they could be vulnerable, including the person who was, you know, it's like Greg Barrett will say, you know, I don't want, I don't, I don't want to be around someone with cancer. Like I don't want, because I don't want to be the person with cancer either. And then you are, and then it's like, oh, okay, well this is, this is, this is my life now. And I didn't think it was going to be me and now it's me. And then you fight it and you get well and you have a totally different perspective on all of it but um but it's it's hard you're absolutely right it's hard not we particularly when you get older because when you're younger you do feel invincible but yeah when you get older and you're around people who reflect back to you the vulnerability of being a human being um there's a lot of different ways that you can react to that and it's very human to be like i don't think i can see that person or i'm mad at that person for reminding me that i also you know am frail Yeah, I think so. It's funny when you were saying that um, Whitley was like, speaking, you're talking about humans, but check me out. <laughs> Look at my great palm sticking I up need you to keep your, your eye on my water because I it's just <laughs> off in the periphery enough that if a little furry paw just dropped a little dust in there, I would not... I would not notice. She, I bet you that she's. I don't think you would say anything. You're very taken with her. I don't. I, I think just, you would give her a little wink, be like, "Secret safe with me." I don't encourage dogs drugging people, but I also always want to support a dog in everything uh-huh. he or she does because <laughs> they're perfect creatures. I, mean, I guess I have to respect. Back that, I don't feel <laughs> a little weird about it, but um, okay, Martha, I'm gonna get into this mash game with you. Okay. Uh, the first category that I am going to do is uh, <laughs> we're gonna travel back in time, and the this is gonna be three shows that you wish had been on during the day when you were young from any era that you could have stayed home and watched. Like, you would have been excited because you'd be like, Oh, I'm sick, and that means I get to watch these three shows. Um, and they, those three shows should be ones that are on right now. No, any, oh. uh, from any time, from any time period, from here to there, or even before. Um, well, Mr. Show, um, for sure. I, I mostly am thinking about shows from when I was in my twenties because that was when, um, for that's when I remember thing TV getting really exciting, but it was different from now because you couldn't watch it whenever you couldn't watch your favorite show whenever you wanted and binge on it. Yeah. So for sure, Mr. Show and I loved the Larry Sanders show. Sure. And then there's so many great shows, but this isn't from that era, but one show that I would have watched forever and love is Enlightened. Mm-hmm. Um, and I wish that had been, 
It's so um, otherworldly great. Well, I think people would make the comparison with the show that you're on now. I mean, I think that 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 kind they kind of live in this sort of similar place of like laughing and heartbreaking and sort of like you yeah. know it's sort of alternate reality reality that um, is both like delicious and painful to take in. Yeah, I just feel like also like Laura Dern walking that as a. The show isn't about addiction. It isn't centered around addiction. Like her character goes to rehab, but isn't really an alcoholic addict. Um, But she so captures the thing of people in 12-step programs who want to be this um, really good, evolved, um, uh, has a really strong conscience person (laughs) but remains like self-seeking and shitty and I don't think in real life she's an addict or alcoholic and she created that character I've never maybe never seen anyone do anything like that I just it's I love her I love that so much yeah it's an an extraordinary character and performance and it really is a sort of like yeah, it there yeah. It 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 pushes it pushes some real buttons for those of us who have experienced people who are both versions of that because of course right. there's it's never black and white. It's never like, well this well this will fix you. Right. And and not doing it won't fix you. Like it's right. not it's and so it's it's really it's just it, you're right. It's like expert. It's just so good. It's such a beautiful. Mm, I love it. Uh, I'm right there with you. Okay, uh, those were great. Uh, by the way, who cares what I think? Um, I do. I'm just I'm just supporting. Uh, <laughs> you're supporting. <laughs> but there's never like- going to be a time you say something and I'm like. Oof. Uh, do you want to take this again? Should we stop this and do this over? What if I had uh, said Fantasy Island though? I would have. I would have thought it was great. I would have mm. been like, whatever that reason is, great. We used to, um, I won't go on a tangent, but just do want to say from my um, late elementary school, uh, the big deal was Friday nights, Love Boat, Fantasy Island, back, back to back. You got to stay up late and watch them. And they were such terrible shows. <laughs> <laughs> I never saw Fantasy Island, but mm. I saw Love Boat reruns. And uh, yeah, I, they were real. it's really bad. They were so bad. They were terrible. And it was, that was like the highlight of the week in third and fourth grade. Yeah. (laughs) Well, there you go. It's third and fourth grade. You have an excuse. It's the adults who are really excited about it that probably are kicking themselves a little bit now. Or maybe not. Yeah. I wonder if adults at that point in time watched anything ironically the way we do now i think that's a great question and i, I don't know. know the answer to it because my dad yeah. was very snobbish about that stuff he thought that you know he yeah. was like he did he hated things that he felt were trash and that was certainly one and he I remember like he was so annoyed when i would watch three's company reruns too he right. was just like oh this is so bad right now i feel very defensive on behalf of uh jack ritter because he's yeah hilarious yeah john, john john ritter sorry his name was his character but his jack. but jack is a nickname for john thank you so you're not thank wrong. you you're not um he was such a fucking amazing talent comedic genius and physical uh, like i mean i get why my dad thought it was trash but at the same time but he also thought night court was trash and i'll stand by that show till the end of time as well that's also a great show yeah um 
Okay. Uh, next, next question is, uh, let's do three uh, places you could have a vacation home if getting there were not a pain in any way. Oh, I would love to have a vacation home in the mountains near the west coast of Canada. Great. Like Agreed. snowy, but also you could go and see killer whales, yeah. just take a little drive and get on a ferry. Agreed. Um, I would love to have a vacation home in the Bahamas somewhere um, just to... Growing up near a dirty beach, I would love to vacation at a super beautiful, also warm water. Yeah. Where, yeah. A third place, probably um, a little um, New England town. My dad's from that kind of place. And yeah. I, me too. I mean, <clears throat> that's, I've had such little experience, um, being in small towns in on, on the East coast. And, uh, my friend Meredith moved to Boston, the Boston area, but she moved to a small town called Pitt, Pittsfield, mm-hmm. uh, when I was in like fourth grade. And for some crazy reason, my parents and her parents, like I b- flew there by myself and stayed with her for part of the summer. And nice. it was like, it was, it felt mythical. It felt like, yeah. oh, this is what all the like books I've been reading, like the children's yeah. stories, everything was always set. Like my favorite stories were always set on the East Coast. Like the right. fact that she had a basement was such a big deal yes. because in Arizona, no one has basements. Yeah. You barely have like a second story, much less an attic right. or a basement. And the fact that she lived in this big old house that like was, you know, the that smell of that basement yeah. was, totally. it really was like, am I in a mythical land? Yeah, we, my cousins uh, lived in the town my dad grew up in and we would visit them in the summers and yeah I loved it I loved the the basement smelled like like mildew and mothballs but it was like exotic you have a whole room underground I know I know it was so oh I loved it and like just a town that was so small a kid could walk the entire perimeter of the town in a, in a day. We never went to the perimeter and walked around the town. But <laughs> you were like wearing your survey yeah. gear. Yeah. <laughs> yeah <laughs> the I general awareness it. of that. I, I completely agree. Uh, okay. Next section is let's do uh, someone, three people from any time, any era, um, that it would be great to sort of have this like kind of bat phone connection to that are sort of mentors uh, or pals that you're like, I could always just call... Right. Dorothy Parker. Um, so probably people from that I that are not currently alive. No. I mean, you can oh. t- totally do someone who's alive now. 100%. Um, well, this isn't going to be a fun answer, but the first one, if I could just get a hold of anyone, would be uh, my mom who passed away a year ago just because um, I did talk to her every yeah. day. <laughs> And um, no one's that's, saying that it has to. Please make it like Bert or Ernie. But There's what no if I what if I told you my mom was Dorothy Parker? Then I would be super confused. It wasn't. It was her name was Bobby Kelly. But uh. um, <laughs> <laughs> um, but that would be the first person I would call if I had a magic phone. And then um, I really uh, I really wish I could have met Tom Petty. Um, or Prince, I can't, what, I don't know that they would have been fun to talk to. I just, I think Tom Petty would have been. But yeah. I'm only thinking of people who recently died. Usually when famous people die, I don't, 
I don't grieve because I didn't know them, even if I love their work. Yeah. But there's something about Tom Petty and Prince. So many people grieved and unlike other, anyway, that's not the question. Let's answer the question. Who, if I could call, um, I mean, listen, I have no problem putting any, either or both of those people on the list, but. Yeah, well, what would I talk to them about? <laughs> <laughs> Who would I? I wish. Um, I'm terrible at on the spot questions. Who else? When I call, um, uh, look, let me tell you. You know, what would decision. be great would oh, yeah. be if Zach would answer the phone when I call. Great, great. That's a very satisfying answer for me on a personal level. And he never. He never answers. I don't call him anymore because he never answers his phone. He rarely responds to text messages. He will eventually respond to email, and none of it is being a too cool for school dick. It's Not that at he's all. busy. But I do. I know sometimes people get legit and offended. Right. I just realized uh, after a, after a little while. Um, Oh, he just doesn't respond. It isn't that he's blowing me off, right? A hundred percent. And I, this is what I would say about this because <clears throat> I also, uh, you know, I, I know Zach. I've known him for right. many years. And I think that he, ha- it's that Bill Murray quality where um, the thing that's frustrating about it is that he's behaving the way all people probably should behave about modern technology. And we resent that somehow he's still doing great and has a wonderful (laughs) wife and son and a great career and is, is able to actually prioritize them in a way that doesn't involve him tweeting every five seconds. Right. And that many people it's, it's, it feels, it's an uneasy feeling because we've been conditioned to take it personally, even though like everyone should be like Zach. I should be more like Zach. I should be, I shouldn't worry that someone's going to think I hate them if I don't text them back. Like I understand that the immediacy of text and I, I'm sure I have angered people because I am a little bit like Zach. So maybe I just want to be more like him. But where it's like, I understand that you had the ability to text me immediately. And you right. know that technically I have the ability to immediately see it. Right. But that doesn't mean that you're not a priority if it's not, if that text isn't important enough in the moment for me to immediately respond right. to. It has to be okay. Yeah. So I think that's that's what it is. It's like I sort I sort of I whenever I email Zach, I'm like, I know I'm not gonna hear from him for two weeks. And yeah. I I'm okay with it because I've decided that he's living the life that I sort of wish I were living. <laughs> yeah, it is. I do love I do love that he's a hippie. That he's a um I don't I'm gonna be out in my garden instead of yeah. re- answering my phone. But when we when we first when he first I've known him since '98. But when he asked me about the pilot, I didn't know that he just doesn't respond quickly. Right. So he left me a message about doing being on a TV show with him. I didn't know it was a pilot or a spot on Jimmy Kimmel. And I called him back the same day. He didn't answer. I left him a message. <laughs> yeah, this would make me insane. And then he didn't call me for two weeks. <clears> and I was like, well, the message I left must have been so terrible that he changed his mind. Yeah. It took me a Fair. while. Everything you're saying, it he did, really should have called you back. <laughs> I didn't. And he had no idea. And then after we shot yeah. the pilot months to find out yeah. if it was picked up. And I just thought when I didn't hear from him, like, yeah. I did a terrible job and I'm fired. It took a while, but now I know he's like that. And I also know that he's 
he also goes out of his way to be thoughtful and considerate and terribly sweet and kind when you're with him so that you know, oh, he's not, he doesn't yeah. not care about you. He's it, just it, a listen, hippie. He's a great person for this list because you're, because this is the alternate universe ideal world where it's not, it's not, it's, he's not sacrificing who he is. It's just, he's a right. delightful person. So he just, this is, this version of him is always picks up the phone. I think right. it's great. It's the perfect, there's a reason this category exists is, is people like him. Good luck picking your third one though. Cause you're not gonna be able to top that. I won't, but I'll just tell you the earnest answer. If I could call someone and talk to them whenever I wanted, um, although I I do um, hear back from her when I uh, when I ask her to call me, but I don't call her directly. Uh, my therapist, who uh-huh. I've, I've known <laughs> since I was twenty four. So I always, it's good that I don't call her directly because the last thing, it would be bad for me to call her and have her answer and be like, I can't talk to you. I would think, oh, I did something uh-huh. wrong. <laughs> um, but I in really a magical world, if I could talk to her anytime I needed to, that would be great. Yeah, that's a great answer. I do sometimes feel self-conscious. Like, I can't believe how much I want my therapist to like me. We should talk about this. Like, I've talked about that with her. Like, I shouldn't care, though, right? Like, you're the person that I should be my full self with. Like, I don't need to sugarcoat this for you. <laughs> right. But I also think, like, I wouldn't want a therapist who didn't care about me, yeah. who just listened and was like, oh, that shit happened to you? Well, that's just right. cool. I'm a <laughs> for sure. clinical note taking, yeah, you yeah. know? For sure. No, that's absolutely true. Um, Okay, this is, let's do, uh, okay, you and I have talked a little about like just the sort of embarrassment of like what you did end up, uh, how you ended up uh, presenting yourself in high school. So this is a sort of like, this is is a general unformed uh, category I'm giving you, but it's just kind of like a, like it's sort of a style thing of like, either a version of yourself in an alternate universe that like you presented as then that, you know, three versions of that, that would have been really satisfying or even just as much as like, like I never had a full mohawk and I've just always really wanted one. So like maybe someday I'll just get super ballsy and shave the sides of my head, but stuff like that too. Right. It's like, here's a look that for whatever reason probably isn't practical, but it would be great if in an alternate universe, like I had reason to, you know, do that for a year. Right. So three looks uh, that I that I wish I had had as an adolescent or, or that I would do yeah, now. Yeah, or that, that there's some part of you that's like it would be satisfying to do it now. Um if I had a magic wand and I I don't know how to say this without ending up offending somebody. I'm really uptight about believing that women my age don't need to be uh, wearing stuff that's like tits ahoy is what I call it. Um, Even though I feel like women should wear whatever they want. I just also don't want to see a guy's balls when he's in his 50s or Uh even his 20s. (laughs) Anyway, I'm sorry. But I I would, if if I had a magic wand, I wouldn't like to know what it feels like to have a super hot body that you love showing to other people yeah um and i definitely am going to pilates and will probably be in a few months feel in better shape than i feel now but no matter what i'm not ever going to be like hey everybody check this out because i just feel like 
that's shallow if you're 50. Okay. <laughs> so <clears throat> so what so I'm hot, putting here is uh is like magic wand hot bod. Hot hot body that you're happy to share with the yeah, world. Yeah, right. Um and then uh I wish that I had the inner fortitude to be one of those ladies who's like, you know what? I'm done. I'm going to cut off all my fucking hair and stop wearing makeup. I'll never be that lady. Yeah. But it seems like it would be really freeing. Yeah. To basically go back to childhood where you don't ever think about what you look like. Yeah. That's my mom in a nutshell. I think a lot of women, especially moms, I don't have kids. Maybe that's why I haven't turned into that. I don't know. But a lot of moms are like, I no longer have time to blow dry my hair. So they cut it all off. Um, the other thing that popped into my head because I laid my eyes on Whitley and Scott is I would like to know what goes on inside the mind of one of the people who calls themselves a furry. Oh, sure. And maybe walk around in an animal costume, even though in real life it, it's heartbreaking to me but I partly want to know what it's yeah. like inside your mind when you're like, I only want to be intimate in an animal costume with someone who's also in an animal yeah. costume. I, I agree. I also share that curiosity, but I, th I think I can, that's one of those things that is not so far away. Like, I'm not saying that I have done that or that I have the desire to do that, but that is one of the, that is one of the things that is a little more fringe, at least right now in our culture, maybe it will become yeah. the most common thing in the world next year. But right now, considering it fringe, uh, I can see it. Like I can't, it's not, it's not, I don't have a desire to do it, but that is one where I'm like, Oh, I get it. But I can't put my finger on why I get it. I do I, know that like, I love wearing an animal tail. I just but do. See, I think like if I could walk around with a raccoon tail all the time, like a big human sized version of a raccoon tail, uh, I'd probably be really cool the, for a while. That isn't to me. That isn't mis that isn't hard to understand because it's like, uh, um, uh, like when I was an early adolescent, old older girl and young teenager. I th I loved purses. I loved things that hang. Oh, so you're you're calling you... that an accessory? Well, my it tail just, is an accessory. Any anything that you are adding to your body to decorate it, or because you like the way it feels, that I get. I think my impression of furries is that that I also keep wanting to call them furbies, which is not <laughs> the same. <laughs> I don't. It sounds like it's people who are afraid of human intimacy, which that I get, but to the point that they've decided I'm a forest creature, like it isn't, but people could mm. dress, people could dress up in fetish, fetish sized clothing and I get it, but if you only could enjoy sex, if you really believed and acted like you were a Nazi, I'm not saying I understand people with a Nazi fetish, but just taking it, I can't think of a, I know that's a fetish some people have, but when it, but like S and M fetishes, you know, people wear some aspects of leather or whatever when they're not into that fetish. So to, it, to me, that's not a hard thing to understand. But like if you, if your fetish was 
Nazis, but the you enacted it as in, um, no, I'm I'm gonna walk around hating Jewish people and wanting fascist rulers instead of, oh, the the authoritarian and whatever. Do you know what I mean? So that's why I don't get furries. It's like it isn't that I like a tail or um, I want to pretend to be a wild animal having wild sex. It's I'm a rabbit. I'm going to hop around and hide behind stuff. If anyone not dressed as an animal comes near me, I'm going to hide as a rabbit would hide. I don't understand how that's sexual. Maybe I do. <laughs> I'm going to say, first of all, I don't, I, what I need to do is I need to disclaim that I, I do not know enough about that lifestyle or those choices to be able to effectively say, Yes, I think that is what being a furry is all about, or no, I don't. I think I'm, my personal experience with it has essentially been limited to Comic-Cons, where I know that there are people who sometimes wear uh, animal costumes and sometimes don't uh, enjoy that particular type of socializing, but that it is sort of like putting on a costume to have this kind of fetishized um, social or sexual experience, but that you're not, you're not living that way full time. I can't speak to somebody who uh, lives that way full time because those aren't the furries that I've met. The furries that I know tend to be more like, this is something that I enjoy doing not all the time, but it's very exciting and fun for me to do sometimes. And so that sort of, I was like, okay, like uh, you're I a nicer it. person than I. No, no, I don't. I, no, I'm no. just saying I don't. I'm only speaking from. I can only speak from my limited experience because I have literally never even gone. I was so impassioned that I accidentally tapped the pause button on, <laughs> on the podcast because I was gesticulating so wildly. Well, you're. A, here's the thing. I all I know about it is what my twin sister told me, <laughs> and I've seen okay. pictures. And also, a year ago, there was a guy on Twitter whose mom went to a furry convention with their service dog, who was a giant Burmese mountain dog, because she thought a furry convention was people with service animals. So she started sending him pictures of all these furries people gathered around the dog, and the dog is in fucking heaven. And it was so cute and funny. That's what I know about furries. (laughs) And then my sister telling me, I thought she was making it up when I first heard about it several years ago that it's people who, it's not, but maybe she's wrong. I thought it it wasn't that people are wearing a costume the way you would um, any costume and just it's a fetish that gives you a boner. I thought it was people who want to see themselves as that animal because they don't like humans, human sexuality, and this is a safer version. But underlying that is a lot of judgment on my end of being like, wow, that sounds really weird. What is happening? And that is that the, I have an underground river of being a cunt to some oh, no. to some extent oh, no. that I, I'm sorry, that's my my word of choice for it because it's... <laughs> Because it isn't like, um, to me, being a bitch is like you're you're hungry or tired or irritable and you are short-tempered over something that you don't need to be. But like, cuntiness is like, I'm, I'm dehumanizing them because I think it made me really sad. And 
the idea that people would be so afraid of human intimacy that they would need to th see themselves as a rabbit and see someone else as a koala bear. Now I'm kind of a cunt. And I apologize. No, let me say, for by the way, I got called a cunt on Twitter a few days ago. It was exhilarating and shocking. And also I was like, hey, what did I do? But now you know what I did. I I'm a cunt. I, first of all, Listen, I, I, I don't want to get too deep into this because we're nearing the end of this podcast. I'm but sorry. number one, I would say that the only underground river I feel like I see is you being hard on yourself, uh, which often translates to being really hard on other people um, mm -hmm. in the same way that we have already yeah. talked about, which is like it's very it's if if your own history of depression and sadness and feeling like it's hard to move out of a certain place to connect with the world on a, on a on what feels like a a a healthy level uh, right. whatever that means um, and then seeing somebody who in your eyes is avoiding that same hard step right. um, and feeling sad about that or feeling confused by it or feeling like I don't know I don't know that that's how I would want to deal with my own feelings about being human right. um, that I, I, I mean that's I don't know that that's you 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 feeling like kind of sorry for someone because you feel like your sense of it is that that it has to do with fear and depression and you haven't gone through uh, fear and depression in your life, that's not particularly evil to me. That's just like the same kind of discomfort with being human and vulnerable that we've already said that we both have. What if I told you when my sister first told me about furries, I literally laughed until tears were streaming down my face because I couldn't believe it was a real thing. Now mm -hmm. am I a cunt, Janet? Think it over. I'll get back to you, I okay. guess. But okay. I'm sure there, I feel like there are things that people have told me. Like, I, it never occurred to me that someone have a Nazi fetish. But of course they do. But it never even occurred to me. Like, oh, God, no. But of course you're right. Of course they do. But Ugh. what? Yeah. All right. I don't want to keep doing uh, it. <laughs> but, but you should Google... Um, service dog at a furry convention because the joy on the dog's face to be surrounded by people in animal costumes petting him or her it was like a it was very beautiful okay was i'm very, gonna watch it mm, okay. I'm, I'm gonna watch it oh dogs as i look at the dogs okay next category is uh you i think that you, as uh somebody who has complicated feelings about food this will either set you free or be a completely obnoxious <laughs> question but in this mash universe i always have to ask my perennial question which is in this alternate universe uh there are three foods that have zero negative ramifications on you mm -hmm. that you can have in perpetuity snap of your fingers could be a general or it could be like a rare thing that you you know can't have access to because it's in philadelphia or whatever okay um if i could eat my favorite foods without it having any negative impact i would eat pizza um peanut m&ms oh i love peanut m&ms and the third one i would ask for the leeway to be non-specific which would just be any and all types of cookies. Oh, sure. Great. That's all I would eat if it didn't, if it wouldn't ruin everything. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, you've named essentially three perfect foods. So no arguments on my part. No arguments. Okay. Um, okay. Let's do three movies that you can step into and just be in. You're not reliving the plot. You're not a character in the movie, but it's like that's sort of the world that you can just go into and like have... Okay, um, Twister. Great. Um, 
all four, but primarily the first Alvin and the Chipmunks movie. This is uh, blowing my mind. Cute baby animals. Okay, great, and great, great, great. Kills me. And David Cross. And David Cross, who's so good in it. Um, what's the third movie that I I rewatch stuff a lot because it relaxes me. Um, I would say. Um, I do love something about Gone Girl. I rewatched hmm. that because it's a small Midwest town. Partly mm-hmm. the music and the mood of it, even though I don't like the violence. Yeah, in it, but I also think that um, I fucking blanking. Um, Rosamund Pike. Rosamund Pike is phenomenal. Yeah, she's great. Yeah, and the and the um, actress who plays Ben Affleck's sister. Mm-hmm. And he's also great in it. Yeah. I don't want to like him anymore because of all the whatever Hollywood rumors go around, but I do think he's great in it. Anyway. Yeah. Um, okay, great. Uh, those are the three most surprising in some ways in wonderful <laughs> Twister. I might, I might get on board for that one for sure. I've never seen Alvin and the Chipmunks. Um, and I completely agree that uh, the performances in Gone Girl are phenomenal. Uh, okay. Next question is... Let's do three uh, alternate universe jo- like jobs. And that's sort of the idealized version. Like I always use right. the example of like being a young person being like, it seems so, it'd be so fun to have a flower shop. Like, no, probably right. not. But for <laughs> but, but, but the sort of idealized version of that seems charming. I would have loved to have been a nurse who just carries newborn babies around all day. Great. That would be my number one other job from getting to do comedy. Um, so carry babies around. Um, a ice skater. God, I wish I could. I was a figure like a Olympia Olympic level figure skater who could do all the jumps. Yeah. And then I would have loved to have a little store in a small town. Yeah. Any particular kind of store? Maybe just a general store, because when I was a kid, my mom's tiny town in East Texas, they had two little tiny general stores. Yeah. And occasionally I will walk in someplace in Texas that isn't, because almost all those places are gone, but the building will smell like it smelled, which was super air-conditioned, um, packaged candy, and uh, really clean. I can't. But I love it. I yeah. love it. I would go, I would say I completely agree. I'm going to go all the way back to like the turn of the century mm-hmm. and say a general store that I have very, very strong positive associations with because of two things that I loved so much to watch when I was younger, which was one was Anne of Green Gables mm-hmm. and the other was Little Lord Fauntleroy starring Ricky Schroeder and Alec Guinness. Uh, they both involved young people going to general stores mm-hmm. and just the fact that you could buy like bolts of fabric, but right. then also they would like take a big scooper of flour and like scoop it into the bag, the burlap yeah. sack you brought with you to have your flour. Right. And then just like all the, yeah, all the like the bar- little barrels and jars of candy and stuff. Yeah. Mwah. I thought Amazing. you were going to say Little House on the Prairie. So when you said Little Lord Fauntleroy, <laughs> but on Little, I went, me too. And oh, I haven't seen it. <laughs> really, I haven't seen I did an abrupt right turn on you. I'm sorry about that. <laughs> but they also had a general store turn of the century. Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure. Prairie. And I uh, guarantee you that falls right into the category of like draw your horse and buggy up. Yeah. Get your sugar. 
Yeah. Get your rat poison. Get poison your, someone. Your maple candy. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know why I just went down that road of poisoning someone. Well, Whitley. <laughs> uh, okay. And then the last one, this is MASH, so this is sort of a, a, a traditional, is alternate universe partner, sexy times, uh, could be a character from something, could be need mm. three, could be, uh, you know, could be, you know, Ben Affleck's character in this thing because that removes the idea of him as a human being or, you right. know, Archie from the magazine or Archie Bunker. Showbiz crushes. Uh, John Goodman's character on Roseanne, to me, ideal husband. Um, great, 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 great. And then, um, oh, I'm having a hard time. I'm trying to remember my, my showbiz, biz crushes. Um, I'm really bad at, at, at spontaneous. You thinking. say that, but like this is, you have absolutely no idea how much meditative silence is usually a part of this game. <laughs> and you've had all these quick responses. Um, okay. The very first super intense celebrity crush I had was Prince. And I still knowing all the things that you hear about him over the years and all the things you saw him do that were good and sometimes weird. I still magic land, no consequences would have loved to bone Prince. He was yeah. maybe the most sexual person that has ever lived. I, I, all, that all makes perfect sense to me. Um, I, someday, someday, Someone will tell me that their first intense sexual crust was also Dan Fielding, a.k.a. John Larroquette on Night Court. For me, so far, that hasn't <laughs> happened. But someday, someone else is going to lay that on me, not knowing that I'm going to like just weep with recognition. I can see what I almost thought it was going to be you. Him. I almost thought it was going to be you. For I some reason, it. I was like, maybe this is the day. I did the little Lord Fauntleroy Leroy, because I said John Goodman, and it was John. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Um, who is it? Who's the third? Uh, so John Goodman, Prince, and then oh, uh, kind of anything he's ever been in. Uh, Woody Har Harrelson. Oh yeah. Great. Although if there were four. Maybe Matthew McCugnahy from True Detective. Oh, wow. You want to go straight uh, nihilist. Well, he he's such a heart. I love just, I'm not going to go off on a tangent, but Woody Harrelson's character in that is a bad guy who thinks he's a good guy. And Matthew McConaughey's character is a good guy who thinks he's a bad guy and, and self-destructs because of it. And it, it's such, I love both of them. Yeah. But Woody Harrelson, pretty much anything he's ever been is, I love. I just think he's amazing. I agree. I think he's absolutely fantastic. So then and, 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 and part of the reason for that, I can't dis, I can't untangle it from this, nor would I want to. But part of the reason for that is that he started as Woody on Cheers. Right. Like, I don't want to, but everything he's done since then, and then you go back and you take a look at that and you're like, yeah. oh, he's perfect. Like he's wonderful yeah, in his range and just like what you maybe would have expected from him being that character and then everything that yeah. he's done in his career since. He's just fascinating. The fact that anybody could follow Coach on Cheers and be as wonderful as he was, like who could do that? Yeah. 
That's such an amazing feat. Even Natural Born Killers, which I don't really want like the movie. It's super upsetting, but I, it's, I know it's a good movie, but it's upsetting. But even in that, he's in, he has still has that appeal of the smart, funny guy who knows he's cute, but isn't a dick about it. Yeah, that's he's so good. Yeah. I agree. Um, oh, okay. So this is the this is the part where we find out what you end up with in your mash future. Um, so I just I'm going to do like a little quick little squiggle thing that you I just start scribbling and you go stop and then I use that as my kind of eeny meeny miny mo. Okay. So uh, just for right now, just tell me when to stop. Okay. Stop. Okay. So I'm going to pause this. Okay. Do some minor calculations. <laughs> I wouldn't call them calculations. Oh, I should have gone longer. And I don't know oh that. no, you don't. Well, you don't know the shape I was making. Okay. Uh, and when I come back, I'm going to reveal your 100% guaranteed mash future. I can't wait to marry John Goodman. Well, I, you don't know. <laughs> Please let me marry in real life, not the game. Let me marry John Goodman. Okay, that I really have no control over. But well, give it a shot. I'll be right back. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. Uh, listen, first of all, I feel real good about these results. Uh, there are a couple of things that um, for a second I was like, oh, I almost want to make this decision and, and, and actually not follow the strict mash rules and give you a different thing. I appreciate it. I couldn't. <laughs> I couldn't. I stuck to it. I stuck to it like someone was watching me and I was going to get in trouble. Okay. That's how much of a rule follower apparently I am I when it comes to this. But I appreciate that you wanted a better future for me. <laughs> <laughs> well, let me tell you what they were. Number one, it, it, it is... And this is something that I, that we, we we both did to me, but but really I did to myself when I decided I would be doing this uh, game on this show, which is it does not feel good to cross your mom off. That just oh. doesn't get, it feel. It does not feel good. Well, it feels real bad. I like got to it and I was like, I have to cross her mom off this list. If it makes she you just feel better, real. if my mom uh, is, if there's an afterlife and my mom is watching, she'd be like. Oh, don't worry about it. Okay. Okay. So, well, yeah. maybe she appreciates that I follow the rules too much, but you did yeah. get your therapist. Oh, well, that's lucky. So, uh, who was the other, who was the other person I Zach? said? Zach. <laughs> oh, yeah, it's better that it's my therapist, even though I love him to death. Uh, okay. So you got a therapist. Uh, so that was one band aid I wanted to rip off. I do also, well, you know what? No, I'm going to, I'm gonna, I'll get to that later. I'm not as worried about this other one. That was really the one that I was like, oh, uh, okay, so you have these, these, here are some things that really came together in a very nice way. So you have a house in a small New England town. That's your ah. vac- vacation home or you just your second home that you can go to wherever you want. And you also have the small kind of general store ah. in this uh, New England town that you've created for us. So that sort of was a nice synergy there. Yeah. Um, a lot of times things happen in small towns uh, that people don't expect. Mm-hmm. Uh, like that's murder. Like murder in a small town. Mm-hmm. Like all television has now told us that the real freaky deaky is going on in small towns, whether or not yeah. that's even true. But I can tell you that in your town, uh, there's a very, very robust furry community. <laughs> and in fact, you are a part of it. So <laughs> you are going to come to understand firsthand how wonderful and pleasurable uh, being a furry can actually be. And remember, you do have a, a line to your therapist whenever you need it. I love it. Um, Another thing I can imagine you doing is, you know what? You keep that costume on uh, to watch endless supply of, uh, and this is sort of like 
you know, scratching the itch from when you were a teenager, uh, Mr. Show. Oh, uh, good. As needed whenever. And that was also something that when you were homesick in high school, you were able to watch. Now, you can also jump into Gone Girl. <laughs> we'll not focus on the violent part of that. But uh, whatever about that is appealing to you. And then... Um, and then I'm just going to finish with this sort of idea of you uh, you in this like kind of wonderful, uh, funny, sexy, strange, uh, vulnerable relationship uh, covered in endless amounts of cookies <laughs> that you can eat with impunity uh, with Woody Harrelson. That's so you didn't get John Goodman, but I personally am excited that you got Woody. I'm feeling very good about it. I feel like he would be a fun person to spend time with, even if you weren't soulmates or even if you weren't dating, just like he would, yeah. you would love to just get to hang out with him. Yeah. yeah. So I feel like that was a win. It was also a win. Um, and that, my friend, is the end of the podcast. Thank you for Thank having you me, Thank you so Janet. much for doing it. It was really uh, fun. I hope that you still have time to make it over to the Two Teenage Boys podcast that you're going to do. I'm just calling unseen. them. I, don't, I won't be going to their I house. I see, I see, so. I see. Yeah. Um, it's probably for the best. <laughs> uh, I understand that people can find you on social media because I now know someone called you a terrible name on there. Uh, would you like to let anyone know about anything? I know season three of Baskets is coming out. It's um, coming, it's on Tuesdays at 10, um, and then uh, what, I'm doing the Moon Tower Comedy Festival oh, in, right on. in Austin. Yeah, I like Moon Tower. I was, I've been invited there, I think, twice and never again, so I must have done something that, uh, also I'm I don't gonna, do stand-up, I just do improv. I don't know if the, how much of that they have, but gonna, see how I made that about me? I'm going to ask around because I want you to go back to it because I live in Austin and I would get to see you. And I love Austin, so it's great. Yeah. Um, uh, okay, so Moon Tower Comedy Festival, uh, you're on social media. You Are you just at, Mar- what, what's your handle? Uh, at Martha Kelly 3. Oh, Martha Kelly 3. I don't remember. Well, I guess they couldn't, the other regular version was taken. Um, and probably Martha Kelly 2 as well. You just yeah. went down the line. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, thank you so much for doing the podcast. Thank and, you for uh, having me. Nice, I'll talk to you next time. Thanks, ma'am. As always, the JV Club theme song is Back Before We Were Brittle by the amazing Say Hi. Now leaving Nerdist.com.